I'm Sarah Seven, and you are listening to Tornado Radio, where we're all safe and sound in the eye of the unstoppable Central Texas music storm. Welcome to part two of our chat with Rodney Pyatt, a producer here at Studio 2220 in Temple, Texas. In our last episode, we talked with Rodney about his career, not only as a producer, but as a singer-songwriter, and prior to that, as a working musician who played guitar for the likes of Rick Trevino and Selena Quintanilla Perez. Wrong with old Mexico Lord 
How did you come to meet Selena, and when did you play with her? And I'm going to say 1977, which would have made her, what, five, six, maybe? Her brother came up to me in seventh grade and said, listen, man, okay, and I thought he was Philippine because I had, I knew some people that were Filipino, and he looked just like them. Well, that's probably the Native American, you know, the mestizo. Um, he's definitely Native. His mom's Native American, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, Selena's mom was Native, Spanish-speaking Native American and maybe some Mexican, whatever. But dad was Mexican, you know. And 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 so I, they, he was like, man, you know, you want to come play? My little sister sings, my other sister drums, and I play bass. My dad plays guitar. We're kind of looking for someone else, you know. And uh, we're going to build this thing and this music from the old country. And I'm like, nope, not interested. <laughs> I didn't say that because I, I wasn't like that. I was too passive-aggressive. But I was like, yeah, holler. Well, I just won't take that call. You know, because I didn't want to go play Filipino music. I didn't know what <laughs> I had no I had, idea. Had no reference, you know. <laughs> well, then finally, man, you know, like, uh, I did finally, like, maybe the next year, 78 or so, go over there. Now she's, like, what, she's born in 71. So now she's, like, seven or eight. So we, I go over there one day, and it's just, it's so messed up. Like, I go over there, and it's still daylight, and I drive over there. So I must be at this point like maybe 15. I mean, I'm doing a few little things. But I'll go over there one day for the first meeting. And I mean, I go in. I go walk. First of all, I walk in the house. And they're like, hey, we're still eating. Go into the practice room. So I go in the garage. It's decked out practice room. Awesome. And they finally call Selena in there. And she's pissed. She's mad. She's crying because, Daddy, I got 15 minutes worth of daylight. You know, when you're like eight or nine, that's forever. 15 minutes more daylight. He's like, no, mama. You know, come on, let's go. And I'm like, come on, Abraham, man. We could jam for 15 minutes. That's nothing for... So anyway, we did the deal, and uh, he says... Dad says to me, can you harmonize? I said, yes. He said, which part? I said, which one do you want? He goes... He gets this little smirk. And you got to understand, I see this now. I didn't see it then. I didn't understand that people were like... This kid could actually, you know, has a gift. Like, I didn't get that. I just thought they were just being adults, you know, smirking at me. But he's cracking up because he's like, I got to get this guy, you know. So we do our thing. She comes in. She, he's like, oh, Donna. So we're like, oh, Donna. We do that, and I'll catch the high part. And he's like, oh, okay, well, can you do the low part? I'm like, yeah. So he goes, well, here's the thing. He goes, I typically do the low part, so you take that high part. So we start singing, and those harmonies were just stupid, stupid, beautiful. And so we did that for a couple of years. Abraham, not Aby, not the brother, but the dad calls me. He's like, all right, we really want you to come over. We've got these people coming over. We have these people coming over. They're going to audition. It's a woman that sings and her boyfriend. Well, they come over. And so this is like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, January of 1980, which how does that make her? 10, 9, January 81, January January of 81, January of 81, she's like 10. So we start this band, and then this lady keyboard player who brought these awesome harmonies in and this added touch on keyboards, uh, we're doing pop music. You know, we're doing, uh, 
we're doing uh, the Bee Gees and Michael Jackson, and we're doing you know Dolly Parton, and we're doing uh, Kenny Rogers in Alabama. We're just doing stuff that you could because he's trying. He wants to go play. He's trying to get these kids where he could go play. You know, so we're building this band, and it gets pretty good. And then we go along for a while. I don't know how long. And then about eighty. Well, then I married the keyboard player, and I marry in October of. 81 and then in may of 82 my oldest son is born i'm still 17 and then abraham's like i want to change the name of the band i want to change it to celino y los dinos we're up and everything and we started playing and then slowly we played for no one no grassroots it wasn't a social media then it was all phone and it cost a lot to do so we started touring we started getting uh, a little bit more of a following, started recording, started doing some television shows. And then the crowd started picking up, and it looked as if this thing is going to go. And somewhere in there, there was a hell of a lot of money being made. It just wasn't me making it. And then um, the crowds got bigger. I mean, there was one point where we played in front of about 18,000 people. Um, and I, you know, and, and because there was this contention between them and uh, not, not Abraham, because he's very, in my opinion, very sensitive about his heritage, but the kids are not because they were raised like me, right? Same schools, same neighborhoods, same everything. Uh, so they're totally oblivious to race until the people around them started becoming racial not racist, but like you get that guy's twanging, man. This is y'all want to stay, you know. Y'all want to stay, keep it, keep staying in lane. We're Mexicans, you know, and and everyone's like, no, we're going international. We're pop. We're gonna go pop. He's just learning these old standards and changing them so that he could go out and do the thing, you know, have enough material to do something that people recognize. So then, at some point, and I don't know when, all of a sudden they switched. Their attitudes changed, and I was just too white just didn't know how to play it anymore just after all that effort all the times that it worked just one day i just wasn't good enough just too light it just sounded too light and that may be true but i'll cut heads with anybody that's ever been in that band Big mouth don't make a big man. So I watched him as I grew up. Now I'm grown, I think I understand. I believe him, I believe him by the way he lived. And I believed him, I believed him. By the way he lived But my mama used to tell me You get in a fight, boy, you better win Cause if you start it and you get home, boy You're gonna get whooped again I believed her, I believed her by the way she lived. I believed her, I believed her 
the way she lives This was at this time when it was really starting to get, uh, they were starting to get a little more sensitive or aware that I was kind of probably messing up their sound. Too Anglo, you know. Um, after all the R&B that we've been doing, you know, so I didn't see the need to be, like, uh, ethnic. I thought we were going to go international. He was pissed off that all the other Mexican guys were like, you have a white guy in your band, you know, they're they're with his head anyway so ab comes up to me says listen man he goes you're gonna play a solo today i go what are you talking about i always play a solo i know i'm playing solo it's in the i had five solos i'll play which one what are you talking about am i gonna do something longer what do you mean because there's those five songs that i always do a solo in what are you saying he goes no you're gonna take your guitar 
You're going to take your little rat pedal <laughs> and do it and then slam your guitar down and walk off. I said, okay. Whoa. And I did it. Wow. And it was like, you know, look, two Mexicans out there going, that was good. You know, if you know me, I was like, at that age, I was like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I was not a kid that cared what you thought about my plan. <laughs> like, one of my top five performances. I was scared to death. That nervousness makes you better. Yeah. You know what you're doing is important. And who cares if you fuck up? It's art. When I was playing with Rick Trevino, if he got an encore, which was 98% of the time, he would go do an encore, and the drummer would go do a solo. Then I would come out and do a solo. Then the drummer would join me. Then the band would come in and would do the first encore song. Well, I would go home during the week. You know, I think we're playing four times a week probably all over the place. And I'd come home and work on my solos. And I'd work on all this. At that time, I was trying to figure out the eight-finger tapping thing. You know, I'm trying to be Jeff Watson, you know. It's a country band, but they're trying to show off, you know. And I'm just I'm giving it. I'm, I'm just stressing over this. I'm like, they're not digging my solos. Well, one day I went out there. And instead of doing all my Van Halen and all my Randy Rhodes, I went, Chuck Berry, simplest rock and roll ever, the first rock and roll. And they started spitting and falling out like Pentecostal Church. I couldn't believe it. They were like, ah! over some two-finger, just it's nothing. It's the first thing you teach when they go, I want to play lead. Chuck Berry to the rescue. Chuck Berry and then, and then to make it better how I figured out how I really wanted to exploit these people's emotions was when I did my bends which I'm very proud that my bends are not pitchy I started making them pitchy oh they lost it because it sounds like something they know it makes them feel something it's not about how talented I am it's about how much entertainment they get from me you know so it's a hard lesson to learn relatability though Relatability is the only way you can sell art. Otherwise, it's just self-indulgent. And I'm plenty self-indulgent, but if I'm going to travel around and set up and do all this work, I want to get paid handsomely because it's hard, you know. It's hard to be away from home. So you were like 18 when um, you quit playing with her? No. Uh, I played with Selena until well into 1984, uh, which would have made me 20. 21, coming up on 21. I was like almost 21. And then they moved to Corpus Christi, Texas. And then we saw them about, I'm going to say, man, probably not even 90 days later. And she was already Tejano vocalist of the of the world, you know, female Tejano vocalist. And then we saw them in some places. And it was like they acted like, who are you? And, 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 and I, you know, I say that. It's perception, right? But I was like, and I see, and you know, in some ways, I feel like, um, I get it, I understand. You know, people are. Uh, first of all, you know, this is a very, very religious family, very authoritarian, um, and so therefore they're gonna believe and think what they're told to believe and think. I think, I believe, because that's the way I was up until a certain age. Uh, I was just a very much more worldly person than they were. They weren't allowed to have, and I think it's a good thing, they weren't allowed to do the things that I was allowed to do. I'm kind of surprised that Abraham would let, have me around. 
Uh, because, I mean, I was smoking cigarettes and chasing girls and, like, trying to have babies when I was 15. You know, I was an idiot. I was just all hormones and no one to watch after me. I mean, don't make – don't get me wrong. I had a meal every day. I had a mom that would put me in my place, a dad that was taking care of me. It's just that in those days, a lot of us kids didn't have supervision. We could go for 8 or 12 hours as long as we got to, to – like, in the summertime, as long as we showed up before dark. We could do anything we wanted to do, anywhere, and no questions asked, as long as, long as nobody showed up raising hell about it. Times change. But back to the Selena thing, I felt like there was a whole lot of coercion, emotional coercion to say, you know, because, you know, if you've watched the movie, they portray him as a guy that's constantly sensitive about his heritage, and that's dead on. And I would I would venture to say that James Edward almost um, that is the best performance of of uh, what do they call it? impersonating someone that I've ever seen. Delo's performance? No, I, I wasn't that impressed with that on any level. Okay. Um, she sings pretty good. She's a great dancer. That's what she's brilliant. Probably already very wealthy or very successful to a degree by that time, or maybe not. I don't care. I, she's a pretty good singer, whatever. She, I don't think she's a great writer, or stunning intellect, or anything like that. But that, but is it James Edward almost, or yeah, James Edward almost, or Edward James almost? The actor's name is almost, and he's a god among men when it comes to acting and impersonating. It. Because there's a couple times when I thought, Jesus Christ, that's Abraham. Everything popping the gum, bitching about being. You know, how hard it is to be Mexican. The whole thing, just he had it down, man. The way he held his brow, the way he would breathe. and hold, It was just uncanny. And I got to tell this story. So it took me a couple of years to watch the story, to watch the movie. I bet, yeah. So I go, I was upset. So so we, my, my wife and I at the time, we move, we move into our new home. And uh, we watched the movie. We're sitting there, you know, we've got our wine out and our popcorn doing our thing. We're laying on the floor watching this movie. It's a pretty good movie, you know, and there's some things in there I don't know anything about. It's after me. It's after 84, you know. So, but you knew she was going to say it, but I didn't think about it. I didn't care. But when she said, we've never had a guitar player in this band this good, my wife lost her She lost it. She lost it. Because, I mean, I was already playing with, I would already gone from, when Selena got killed, I was playing locally only, semi-regionally, you know, like Central Texas, 15, 20 counties, North Texas. I wasn't banging out a trap. But then by the time uh, 1995 came around, I was traveling all over North America, you know, and that's just stayed like that for years. So, so she wanted me, I think my ex wanted me to be perceived in the movie as, you know, this this glaring talent or something and it just didn't happen. <laughs> they were thinking about me, you know what I'm saying? They're not thinking about me. But I specifically thought that, and I'll get in trouble for this, but I don't care because I think it. I believe it. And I might be wrong and if someone wanted to correct me, I'd listen. But I believe that the because, you know, her sister's doing the whole her the story they're telling on Netflix is from her sister's perspective. 
who also, in my opinion, didn't know that much because she was with the girls doing what they did, and we were over here doing, making it happen. You know, the guys were the ones setting it up, getting the venues ready and all that stuff with Dad. So he's going back and forth between, are you guys got your shit together to, are you girls okay, are you getting ready, and all this stuff. She wasn't that aware, but she's telling a story, and it felt like when they put me in this, you know, a lot of people would go, oh, my God, you're so lucky you were in the Selena thing this week. And I'm like, that's great. And maybe some mileage in it, but it felt like they were trying to say, this is all he did. This is all he was part of. And it's another of about three or four people that I feel like I was a huge part of why they're around. And there's so what I think, another thing, if you want to be a working musician, it behooves you to get all your shit on paper and signed and notarized and call it an agreement and put that agreement in a contract. Because if not, people will do whatever the hell they want to do, and you'll just deal with it. I loved them. I loved them to death. I don't. I, I just feel a little bit kind of like these people. They like. I don't know if Suze, Suzette knows it because she was young too. But we freaking live with these people. It's not like I don't. It's like they act like they don't know me now.
found out that she had died. I can't put my finger on when I knew she died, but I can put my finger on when I thought oh shit, something's going on. There were a lot of FM uh, uh, Spanish-speaking FM stations, and I went, "Look at the I was like, oh, shit, "What's that?" You know, go down, and it didn't sound good. So I go home and I see uh, they're blasting Univision. I'm like, shit, "I can't," you know. And then I see Mort there or whatever. I'm like, Fuck, you know, I figured it out, and then my phone rang. And all these Anglo people that I'd been telling about my past and the things that I was proud of were like, oh, my God, is that your boy's mother? Is she dead? She's been killed. I was like, no, 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 no. It's just we're not. No, it's not that. We were these were people that like my, that's a different person, <laughs> you know. And um, so I put it together and then it began to be confirmed. And then I think it hit me hardest the next morning. Well, that night I had to play. And I was in shock. Played my ass off, but I was in shock. Uh, and the Anglo people that I knew just didn't get it. They didn't know what I was going through, you know. And then when it hit me the worst was the next morning before my wife went to work, I got up, and I don't know why, but I needed to be downtown, which is about four or five miles from our house at that point, you know, through traffic, go downtown and do something, get something. Or I don't know why I was in a car at 7 o'clock in the morning, and the sun was coming up. And everybody had their lights on. So I reached out to them to, to extend my condolences, but I don't know that situation. Do you get that when there's 50,000 letters coming to your post box? Are you going to get that letter? Do you care? Do you care if your ex-guitar player calls you when you lost your baby girl? Probably not. And then um, the last time that we spoke physically, or actually literally spoke, was on the phone. I had invited him and 600 other people to uh, media and high-profile people to my CD release party in 2002. And he called me uh, about June 1st, maybe, to tell me that he wasn't going to be able to make it. And we talked a little bit. It was uncomfortable. Personally, I felt, and I'm just going to say it, I just felt this way. I felt that he was quite judgmental and kind of an so they're religious. And, you know, we're not going to do blood transfusion if you're dying because religion and tradition is more important. I'm, very, uh, I'm a very jaded person about tradition. I'm not jaded at all about God. I'm very jaded about tradition because uh, I think it should be your bitch and you should keep it in your place, in its place instead of the other way around. I think a lot of people let it make them their bitch. I think it should be a tool not the other way around. So, in my opinion, I felt like there was a lot of judgmental, uh, judgmental spirit, if you will, coming through, and I just kind of cut it quick. Just made it quick. Thanks for calling. Appreciate the, you know, I don't want to talk to you because I, I didn't like it at all. Because, oh, because I just, you know, if you're a person that condescends me, I'm gonna go. Are you condescending me? Do you do you think um, Abraham was hard on Selena? Yeah. I mean, he's, let's be fair about this. A kid has to have some structure, and sometimes you have to push a kid to do some shit they don't want to do, or they won't, they'll be a nobody. He's had to. They've got to have some, hey, get out there and go. And she had plenty of that. She doesn't know the difference. So why is it hard to her? Other than every once in a while, she would want to go play. But, you know, 
then, then she got to yeah, be a kid, but then it got to a point where she was not so much a kid anymore. She was a young lady. And she began, I, here's what happened. They both had shitty attitudes for a long time, and then they got to a certain point, and then boom, there was a little bit of success, and then they both changed. But she was always really sort of, uh, I don't mean she has a shitty attitude. She was a baby, and people were literally forcing her to do shit she doesn't want to do. And all kids are like that. So it's not that she was hard to get along with. She just was resistant. She had her own will, a strong-willed individual like her dad. And I don't think that Amy and Susie and her mom are. I think that Selena took after Abraham, strong-willed, sweet. <clears throat> but Susie, she was she would like kind of be a pain in the ass about it. Like you know, you're kind of like let's just practice and put it all behind. But you know, you're looking at young girls going through a lot. You know, so that but then all of a sudden one day we played somewhere and then boom, there's a little money and there's a little attention. People start you go to town, you realize people are talking about you. I don't think he was bad. Like, you know, he gave her a life. That's all she ever knew. It's like if you if you grew up in the United States or if you grew up in Mexico, you know what you know. Would I have let my kid play another 15 minutes? Hell yes. Rock stars are a dime a dozen. And to me, they're expendable. <laughs> Children are not, you know. It's just my way.
Did you know Yolanda Saldivar? No. Never met her. I keep thinking I might. And the reason why is because she's, you know, she's she's a capital offender. So she's in Gatesville for life. And uh, I have done some prison ministry stuff in Gatesville. But I don't think I don't think we'll ever meet those those ones. I don't think they're allowed to have events. I think I think in the prisons, <clears throat> Texas penal system, I think they get two large events a year. And so I've been with some people that have been able to do one or two of those throughout the state, different places. Pretty interesting. Selena was very famous before her death, but even more so after. Recently, clothing store Forever 21 released the Selena branded product line. Uh, she has a series on Netflix. And she is expected to be honored at the Grammys at the end of the month. Uh, sounds like a lot of people are making money on her. Well, isn't that interesting? Because you know when she died, within 90 days. And I'm going to say this, and if you want, I might get my ass sued over it, but I'm just going to say it. I believe that Abraham was upward of $2 million behind in taxes, and Abby was making $999,000 a quarter on royalties. She had less than $200,000 in her bank account. Now, this is something that I've read that was published. So I don't know if I can find that source because it's been a long time, but I'm just saying it. I don't have to know every, I don't have to give a source for everything I say. It's not, that's not how the real world is. I'm just saying it. <laughs> That's just how I am. So it is what it is. And, you know, it wasn't long until, and I, you know, I'm one of these very cynical, I'm very cynical about things. It wasn't long until Abraham signed over everything to Chris. But I bet Chris went, the world might find out that we ain't got no money, honey. Make some shit happen. I don't know what happened, but I mean, everything went to him quick. Why everything? Because everybody was already rich with them. A lot of her money was being stolen. Yes. A lot. Yes. So there's that. And that's how all this started. She figured it out. At some point she went, this is all mine. If I want to go through the reports, I will. And she did, and that didn't go well. I can't, I, But I, I've heard a lot of different stories about her actual passing. The moment that she passed has gone down. And I know reasons why people bleed to death. One of them is they don't get a blood transfusion. That's tradition. Some people's perspective is that, that Selena's a great musician and a great dancer who the universe just made it that way. And maybe inevitably that's the case, but what I saw was just slow, a lot of time, a lot of time, because they didn't have any money. Because what happened to Abraham is he took his retirement and put it into a business that failed, so now he had to make money. And most people don't ever become wealthy off earned income, from what I understand. I wouldn't know. Um, but most people apparently, the majority of wealthy people don't earn all that wealth, but it takes wealth to make wealth. So I think the way they did it is a surefire, nothing can stop it way in the sense that they did it over a very long period of time. That's grassroots. That's an immutable grassroots. You're immutable. By the time that it took you 20 years to get 20,000 people to your show, they're going to be there every time. It's immutable. It's just going to be that way. It's not going to change, you know. But one of the things that Abraham taught me is that every artist peaks, no matter who they are. Michael Jackson, you know, Frank Sinatra, everyone has a peak. 
What do you think she would be doing today if this hadn't happened? Because there, there was the the music career, obviously, and she still had unfinished no, work I, there. But I, she also where. wanted to get into. I mean, she was talented designer. I think she'd probably be doing a few movies, a couple of concerts, raising three or four little kids, going to picnics and church functions and doing what people do when they have the time to do it and the money to not have to work all the time. Because I think that there was a lot of money uh, that she would have, there there would have been a lot of money involved for her because she was just about to figure it out. While everybody at Richmond meet, she figured it out and it cost her her life. That's what happened. And uh, had she not gone and defended herself in a defenseless matter, manner, yeah. she'd be alive. But, you know, when, they're, when you're running and they shoot you in the back, that's just about all you can do is run. You know, what are you going to do? Like, that bitch chased her down. That's bottom line. She chased her down with a gun and shot her and killed her. That's why she got, that's why she's where she is, you know. She, I mean, she could have brought she Tejano to the mainstream. But I don't think she'd be working herself to death at this no. point. Because she'd be 51. No, she'd be 50 right now, Ryan. 49 or 50. So, but I think, she, but but the thing is, is, you know, she went to defend herself. She went to find the truth. And uh, in this case... Truth set her free. I mean, you know, it was like she just didn't ever know it. I mean, she knew she knew what was going on, and it just, just a shame. But I have to say this. By the end of that night, you know, the media and everything's alert. It's on TV, and they, you see Saldivar in her car. She's got the gun. She's like, oh, my God. And there was a little bit of empathy here. As fucking bitter as I was, there was some empathy. That's a horrible place to be. So she's got two decisions. Unlock the door and get out, and they'll beat the hell out of you, and your life is over as you know it, or just end it. I, I, I don't know. I think that she, you know what I heard also because I do these prison ministries? A reliable source told me. First, I'm secondhand, right? Um, told me that when, you know, the girl that killed the guy in Dallas, the cop, lady cop that killed the guy in Dallas, when she came and was processed, she started getting all the attention. They said Solivar was hysterically angry about that. Because she's not getting the attention. That's why she didn't kill herself. She wanted to be famous. All that was about jealousy and greed and covetousness. That's all that happened. And that's what happens. That's what happens. It's just like psychology 101, man. If you go, if I thought somebody was stealing my money and I was going to meet them in a hotel room, I I wouldn't expect it of a young lady like that. I'd be packing. <laughs> two lonely people living two separate lives, and they took a wrong turn. Way back down the line Now the future looks clear But not so bright I can see it in your eyes 
so many lies A two-time lover Put a million tears in his eyes so Brought a man down Cause she's always designer you know and she never got to do anything with that um she, they were she was doing it but they were taking her 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 uh rewards from her you know not they she y'all yolanda solvar is the one that from what i understand she wanted to do the designing full-time more than the music really? and she never really she she was doing it but it was just getting started yeah. And it could have been more. Well, maybe she'd be doing that. But I don't think that she'd be touring and doing four or five shows a week. I don't think she would care for that at this age. It gets harder every year. And she was already, you know, in her 20s and had already. You know, you think about she. Think about this. I'm just going to go here. I'm just going to go here. Let's do some numbers. Okay. Let's say you charge $50 and you have 100,000 people at your show. And that happened a few times, I'm sure. Let's say you, you charge $100 and you only have 10,000 people. How's your math? Where's our money? Yeah. Like, there were times, it's been a long time that I wouldn't say this because I'd be worried about how it would affect my career or what people would think of me or how they would talk to me about it. I'm done with all that. It is what it is. I believe what I believe. Um, there's stuff I don't know about and stuff I do know about, but... It's a tragic life, and I don't get it on any level that um, that some lives are cut so short. I don't get that. I, I mean, I, it's just mind-boggling that that man lost his baby. I had fun. I've had fun in a lot of bands I've been in. I had fun because, you know, as hard as Abraham was, that boy was hysterical. Oh, he was 
real smart. So his humor is going to be good, man. He's just, he's good. He's, he's fast. So we had that, you know, that was fun times. AB was, has a good sense of humor, you know, or did then. And so, but we're different people now. I don't think that we would do well in the same room very long because of the way our lives have turned out. I'm so much different than I was then and so much different from the way they are now. I came home from work Message line was home Here at the Motel 6 The place I now call home Ran at the desk Picked up the phone He passes on me Said your wife called Wants to know when you're coming home So I told that old boy When you sleep at the wheel Don't play western Tornado Radio, we like our segments to be lighthearted, fun, and honestly, just as goofy as we can possibly get away with. But Selena Quintanilla Perez requires a different sentiment. Remembering her as a tragic murder victim is no way to honor her. I think it's best to celebrate the joyful and often hauntingly beautiful music that she and her family gave to us. So let's follow the course of Selena's career and explore why her music is still significant so many years after that career was cut short. 
Selena was born April 16, 1971. But even before Selena, Los Dinos, or The Guys, was the band that her father played and sang in. Abraham Quintanilla encouraged his children to develop their various musical talents. Though it started as a family activity, Selena y Los Dinos came to supplement the family's income during the hard-hitting recession of the 1980s. They played weddings, fiestas, fairs, and quinceañeras, and in time, the band became a full-time business, replacing the family's small restaurant, which did not survive the recession. Early on, local record labels showed interest, even recording a couple full-length albums. But owing to business conflicts, these albums were not released. However, Abraham was able to salvage some singles to sell in stores throughout Texas and thereby promote the band. Finally, in 1986, Selena y Los Dinos released the album Alpha with GP Productions. Soon after, Muñequito de Trapo, or Ragdoll, was released. 1987 saw the release of a Los Dinos album in which Selena sang the traditional Tejano favorites. It was called And the Winner Is, and it commemorated Selena's winning Best Female Vocalist in the Tejano Music Awards, which she went on to do for the next eight years running. Selena y Los Dinos released two more albums in 1988, Preciosa and Dulce Amor, before signing with EMI's newly launched Latin Division, when the band was discovered by Jose Bejar. After signing with EMI, Selena recorded six more albums, beginning with the self-titled national debut album, Selena. The album sold extraordinarily well, resulting in Grammy nominations, various awards, but most importantly, bringing a Tejano singer to a mainstream audience. And beyond the many musical accomplishments, there were also the clothing boutiques. Though our focus here is music, the boutiques are interesting, as they prompted some to call Selena the Tejano Madonna. Also during this time, she became Selena Quintanilla Perez when she married band member Chris Perez in 1992. Although Selena's father initially had misgivings about the relationship, he came to accept it, and it even inspired the hit single Amor Prohibido. Both personally and professionally, Selena had a seemingly bright future ahead of her. Recording for her 1995 English crossover album was well in progress. The album, called Dreaming of You, was released posthumously. On March 31, 1995, Selena met with employee Yolanda Saldivar to discuss some financial discrepancies in Saldivar's work. Saldivar shot and fatally wounded Selena, but later claimed that the shooting was accidental. It's a heartbreaking story, and I have to confess, I didn't know much about it until I met Rodney Pyatt. I'd heard the name Selena before, but for all I knew, she was just another silly pop star. So talking with Rodney and Anne has given me an appreciation for Selena. She was an incredibly versatile singer, and she bridged cultures by bringing us new, unexpected sounds. And more than that, she touched the hearts of millions. Thanks once again for joining us here at Tornado Radio, and as always, peace be with y'all.